Welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Certified Financial Planner Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth LLC. In this podcast, we help individuals and couples plan for a peaceful and enjoyable retirement. Join us on this journey where we explore the importance of simplifying the retirement planning process as Stephen, with his years of experience and expertise in retirement income planning, along with guest experts, will help you achieve first wisdom, then wealth. And don't forget to check out the Simplify Your Retirement online course and other great resources at SimplifyYourRetirement.com. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Simplify Your Retirement with Stephen Strickland from Wise Wealth. Hello, Stephen. Paul, this is exciting. It's a new year, new season. It's great to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited to kick off another season today. I know this one's going to be exciting. You know, over the last three seasons, we've covered... Uh, and first, in the first season, really kind of the the course, in a sense, the the main topics of uh, Simplify Your Retirement class. Mm-hmm. Then in season two, we took a deeper dive into some of the more complex concepts like Social Security and things like that. And then last season, we really covered the Wise Wealth mission statement. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it was great to be able to have some guests, some clients be able to come on and talk about how they live things out in retirement, the plans that have been put together and all of that. So. Yeah. Three great seasons. If you're just joining us for the first time, I encourage you to go back and listen to those seasons as well. We'll probably reference at least one of the episodes today, but yep. uh, season four is here. So would you give us a little preview of what we might expect in season four? Well, uh, season four, we've got, uh, you know, an exciting group of guests, honestly, you know, that we've looked at, you know, what we've covered so far and we want to keep things new and fresh. And just looking at uh, some of the things that we hear frequently asked questions, people that ask us things about certain topics. We're going to cover that here in in, uh, the next 12 episodes. But then also, I really have some great guests on who've written some books that I think are are very valuable and helpful to people. So I'm excited about that as well. And then, uh, yeah, I I, want to reiterate just, you know, something you said there as I was reviewing uh, these three seasons Mm -hmm. and – you know, uh, simplify your retirement. Obviously, that's the name of our podcast, but I want uh, everyone to know if they're just joining us, some people may start the new year, yeah. uh, 2022, and say, hey, I'm going to start listening to a new podca- podcast and listen to our newest episodes first. And so you may be joining us right now, season four. We do have the, the other three seasons, and uh, season one really is, like you said, Paul, the uh, the the Simplify Your Retirement book in a podcast form. It's the it's the course in, in a podcast form, and so it's 12 episodes, but it really takes you through uh, the book that I wrote called Simplify Retirement and the course. And what I want everyone to know is uh, we do have an online course now. Yes. So you, you could go to simplifyyourretirement.com, simplifyyourretirement.com, and on that website, uh, you could actually order a copy of the book. You could take the online course. We constantly are having live courses In fact, in February, if you're listening to this right now, in February, we're going to do a live Simplify Retirement course um, in Lee Summit, Missouri. Yes. So uh, if you're listening, so I just, uh, I I recommend people go to SimplifyRetirement.com. There's ways to engage in the podcast, the book, the online course, the live course. And then season two was, like you said, a deeper dive into a lot of these things. Um, And really between seasons one and season two really would be a great foundation for people to listen to to understand, you know, how we do, you know, business and our planning philosophy and those sorts of things. 
And then, you know, last season really is for, you know, why do we do what we do? Why do we do retirement planning? Why does Wise Wealth exist in the types of clients that we serve? What's the goal of retirement mm-hmm. um, really to give and serve uh, and enjoy life? So uh, I'm excited about what we've covered so far and uh, what we have today and going forward in season four. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really excited about the guest. I, I've, I've looked ahead, obviously, at the who we yeah. have coming on yeah. and uh, got a lot of great uh, thinkers out there. You know, I, I know you and I have talked about just how retirement is such a long period of time. Mm-hmm. There's so much life lived during that, that there's so many topics. I mean, we could talk for years on all the topics that someone might cover in their retirement years. Right. So yeah. this is exciting to be able to bring on some some other experts yep. to be able to talk about uh, things that people might face in retirement. Absolutely. And uh, today we're excited to have Larry Kotlikoff. Uh, some of you may remember uh, Larry was actually a guest on our podcast uh, uh, back in season two, episode three. Mm-hmm. And uh, last time we had Larry on, we really were focusing on Social Security. Uh, yes. I think, uh, Larry, you had written uh, some papers on that. And so we, we had you on to talk about uh, Social Security. But welcome back to the podcast. Great, great, great to be back with you. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, I think um, originally was uh, I had this book called uh, Get Which a co-author book Get What Yours: The Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social yes. uh, Lifetime Social Security. And that, um, yeah, can you believe that a, a book about Social Security rules became a national bestseller? Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's obviously a great topic. It affects every single person in America at a certain yeah. point. So that was that was a great thing. And uh, Larry, yeah. you'll be glad to know you're our first uh, returning guest. We've never had a guest uh, yeah. on uh, you know for the second time. So uh, that's a good thing. I, and just for people that uh, did not get a chance to listen to our interview with Larry back in season two, episode three on Social Security, I'll just give you a brief uh, intro. Um, Larry Kotlikoff is a William Fairfield Warren professor at Boston University, a professor of economics at Boston University, a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences, a fellow of the Econometric Society, a research associate of the National Bureau of Economic Research, president of Economic Security Planning, Inc., a company specializing in financial planning software, a research associate at Gator Institute and a research fellow of the Goodman Institute. Kotlikoff is also a New York Times bestselling author. The Economist magazine ranked Kotlikoff one of the world's 25 most influential economists. And uh, his website is kotlikoff.net. I want to spell that for you if you want to go to his website. It's uh, K-O-T-L-I-K-O-F-F.net. Kotlikoff.net. And so all that to say, Larry is an economist. <laughs> you know? So how is it, guys? If I'm so influential, I can't get my wife to do what I say. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everyone else is listening she, to you, but <laughs> she's a big she's a big influencer. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And so uh so Larry has the credentials. It's it's always interesting uh, to talk to an economist. Uh, you know, I'm always interested in, you know, why people got into that field. And uh, Larry has a new book that just came out called Money Magic. Um, and, and you talk a little bit about uh, why you why you became an economist. You want to share that a little bit? Uh, yeah, it was really the, I went to college and, um, well, I was interested in doing something that was useful for society. So I thought I would become a doctor. Mm-hmm. And then, so I took the first year I took, um, 
biology 101 i knew something about you know the, what biology meant but then i i knew, had known nothing about economics i never even knew it was a field if you could imagine that <laughs> here i'm i went to a very good private high school a quaker school and uh across the river from philadelphia and i went to the university of pennsylvania but in so many ways and i had probably you know terrific education nobody mentioned the word economics right so anyway i get there and i said oh okay well, i want to take this course so i take the economics 101 with a terrific professor so here i am in biology course the first lab and there's this um frog on each table mm -hmm. and the goal the goal is to um inject it with some something to put it asleep <laughs> knock it out and then you have to open you have to slice open its chest cavity mm -hmm. and then spread it open i think you had to sprinkle some kind of uh, drop some acetylcholine to kill the heart and then after it was like dead you had to rub its heart back to life <laughs> and then you had to write down your observations and then the instructor came over and said uh do it again Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, they kill it again, and then revive it again. So this went on for like an hour and a half, <laughs> and at the end of an hour and a half, I was an economist. Right. That was, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you decided that the medical profession and uh, was not for you. You decided right then and there. Yeah. <laughs> it just grossed me out to, oh, to yeah. do it to be torturing this little frog. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That, I read that story. I thought that was funny. You thought you were going to go to school to be a doctor, and uh, you quickly changed your mind and said, this is not for you, and uh, maybe being an economist yeah. is the right way to go. So looked like it worked out. looked like it was the right the right decision. Yeah, it was. I think, well, you know, when, when I went, so I went to, uh, you know, four years, I was doing well in economics, but there's lots of math and statistics. Mm -hmm. and I was fine, and, you know, I was getting, I graduated uh, top grades and uh, summer cum laude and all that stuff, but I was always very, uh, sure that uh, I wasn't that good, and especially in, in the technical areas. And uh, so I decided it would be much safer to become a lawyer. <laughs> and you know, in retrospect, I know I don't have the personality to be a lawyer because I, I, I can't just, you know. So I applied to 15 law schools and 15 mm. grad, grad schools at the same time. And through some act, well, actually, my one of my professors in economics had just come back, come from Harvard, where he was very close friends with the head of admissions there, mm -hmm. and somehow he he, he wrangled uh, to get three of us from Penn hmm. into Harvard in one year. Harvard takes twenty five kids, mm -hmm. so there's one kid from India, one kid from Iran, one kid from Chile, mm -hmm. one kid from Mexico, and three from the University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> right, amazing. And, we, and the three. The three of us turned out, uh, well, two out of the three turned out to be, uh, to, you know, one's at the University of Chicago, I'm at BU, you know, turned out to be right. academics. And the other guy was just amazing academic for a while, but then he thought he was going to, he wasn't making enough money for mm. to satisfy him. So he went off to work for Goldman Sachs and okay. had a very good personality. He gets fired. Oh. And, um, and you know, to, to become a partner and then get fired right. takes a pretty good personality. So right. one of the things I'm trying to trying to do in the book is give is since it's written for people at all ages, you know, kids. The first chapter is my daughter, the plumber. It's about uh, a young lady figuring out what career to take and uh, right. you know, being. And so I'm, I'm trying to get across the idea that life has got all these variabilities. That there's nothing assured. That if you go to Harvard as an undergraduate and you think you're 
life is made mm-hmm. and you're wearing your, your Harvard sweater and 90 degrees weather in the summer in Arizona, where 110 degrees in Phoenix, you might get your first job, but thereafter, exactly. it's going to depend on what you do, Absolutely. What you, you know, how good you are. And, the, and the, so spending a whole lot of money on a prestige college and borrowing for the privilege to do that mm-hmm. when 40, when 40% of the kids are, are not finishing college, but mm-hmm. they're borrowing to go to college is a terrible thing. So one of the chapters is called don't borrow for college. Yes. And nobody. So it's a hard nosed book, um, with a, some, a lot of fun, but it's, uh, it's saying, look, I, I'm old enough to not hold back anything. I don't, <laughs> I just want to say, this looks like a crazy, crazy, extremely risky, high interest uh, investment. You cannot, you can't go bankrupt. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go bankrupt, they won't discharge your student loan. You'll be paying it when you're 90. They'll be taking it out of your social security check right. because he's one. The, the lender here is Uncle Sam, and Uncle Sam is a, is has a, a long memory. Very has a long memory, has all the information, and is a nasty guy. <laughs> and and he's running scams. He's running social security scams, uh, as I read about a document. I mean, mm-hmm. and the people don't know about. So you can't really trust the government. Um, with your personal finances uh, <laughs> in, in a way that we're kind of brought up to do. That's anyway, right. That's, no, I, that's the whole Absolutely. I think that's excellent to jump right into that. Uh, I, I noticed that in one of these chapters, I mean, basically it's uh, – and, and I like what you, you know, how you write what you're – the way you think is because it's basically non, non-traditional non in other words, uh, you come right after, you know, college education and degrees, certain ones for, for certain reasons, and, and especially going in debt uh, to do so, and, and like you just were talking about. And, and really, honestly, it comes down to, like you said, in Chapter 1, even uh, your daughter, the plumber, the path to a uh, dollarful career. Um, the whole point is it's really about your personal economics. It's not about, uh, you know, trying to keep up with anybody else or what traditional methods say. It all comes down to your personal economy and not worrying about anybody else. Yeah, what's going to work for you? You know, it might be that well, one of the things I point out is that in career choice, you want to find a job that everybody else hates because mm-hmm. uh, that job is, is going to have a high wage mm-hmm. because you're going to have to attract people. So I talk about, you know, whether you should be uh, an audiologist or a mortician. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And uh, or you know, let's say a funeral home director, and uh, and maybe become self-employed in the process by, you know, I thought I was just thinking there for a few minutes that the, these guys who are running funerals, the funeral directors, actually have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I noticed this we were taking a trip around the country and uh, we saw this funeral uh, uh, house and it said, "No rush, we're here when you're when you're ready." <laughs> and, they, they, and then. Yep. Then I go online and I say all these funny signs from here. Yes. So they have a good right. sense of humor. And uh, so I was thinking, well, why wouldn't a young, you know, the reason it's called my daughter, your plum, my daughter, the plumber is because Jewish mothers, I'm Jewish mm-hmm. uh, in the old days when I was a kid, they'd always say my, it was they, if their kid was a doctor, it was my son, the doctor, mm-hmm. Every, being a, having a, a son who was a doctor was the biggest thing oh, yeah. in the world for a Jewish mother. So this is like flipping it on its head. Right. And, and then you became an economist, right? She had to try yeah, to explain that, that to people. Yeah. <laughs> Hard time. Right. But, uh, so it's a little bit subtle, that uh, chapter title. But 
Right. The, um, so I was thinking about maybe this gal who's thinking about becoming a mortician will become a funeral director <laughs> and end up getting a, a, a van and making this a movable feast where they have the service in the van, the big van, uh, and they transport it, port the, the casket to the cemetery. And when the service is over, everybody's right there at the cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Right. And, you know, the thing about being self-employed is you can't get fired. You can't be yeah, sexually that's harassed. Right. You that's can't right. have a crappy voice. Oh, so. <laughs> yep, exactly. I thought yeah. that was a great way to start the book. I mean, again, like I said, non-traditional, just saying right out of the gate, um, it's really time to rethink your your even career choices. Um, right. and, and again, not just do what you're quote unquote supposed to do or what everyone expects you to do or think you should do and, and drudge through a career, uh, but, but to really make good decisions, not only from a, you know, um, emotional standpoint, but also from an economic standpoint, uh, it makes sense sometimes um, for quality yeah. of life and so forth. Yeah, you know, we have uh, we've got the the presidents are trying to get everybody to go to college, or making tuition free, and getting reducing student loans. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that is very good. I'm into into advanced education. Mm-hmm. Um, for my entire career. So I'm not somebody who thinks, doesn't think it's extremely valuable, but it's ex- extremely expensive. That's right. When, when 40% of the kids um, uh, are dropping out mm-hmm. and they're barring for the, as I mentioned, barring for the privilege of doing so. Yeah. And and then, so you got to think about, gee, if only 30% of the kids in America are actually ending up with some kind of a, a completed degree, uh, then we got 70% to, work, to think about. So we shouldn't be, should be asking, you know, what are these people going to do in the future, especially given automation and yep. especially given age discrimination. And in fact, man, you know, I saw this with my wife who um, was working for Wayfair in mm-hmm. property management at the end of her career. She had lots of jobs in Boston, but at the end of her career, she's working for Wayfair. It sounds like a really cool, it's mm-hmm. like the Amazon of furniture, uh, cool job, high tech, you know, lots of young people. But, uh, they're having her drive eight hours uh, in two days each way, 16 hours to go visit their call center, which has got you know, some property management issues, you know, uh-huh. things that things are le- leaking and they're having her do this like every other week. Uh-huh. And she's uh, in her young, early, uh, late 50s. And I'm saying, you know, it's, there's no way to, to fly there. There's no train. There's no bus. She has to drive. Uh, so what they've done is they set things up to give a high wage trajectory and give the people the impression that they can work into their sixties mm-hmm. and earn not and get, and get payback for getting paid crap early on. And the reality is that Wayfair has set this up in order for people to be, uh, to balance people out just because of the way they, and, and that's true. So I'm saying to, to this young gal, who's a, whatever profession she's choosing to go to the, Go to the job sites or yep. a bunch of job sites and see how many people have gray hair. <laughs> and if they, they don't have gray hair, you know that there's something going on uh, to weed you out. Very and, interesting. Uh, and this is not, you can see see that in two seconds. I mean, you're yep. in simple solutions. I'm in a simple solutions. I, and I try to make everything, you know, something everybody can do right. without running. So and I've got this software program that underlies lots of what's in the book called maxify.com and maxify.com mm-hmm. and it, it just comes out with such uh 
and so quickly it's it's calculating these very complicated uh, things in a half a second but not everybody wants to run software and i said well i got to just tell people what the thing has shown me and also what i know in general about uh, economics you know the fact that yes. there's an age wage scale i know I've, you know read all kinds of papers but mm-hmm. uh, very few of these papers are about uh, taking my taking somebody in their 50s and making them drive all around the country. Right. That part, that part's not in the academic papers, but <laughs> yep. the combination of reading the academic papers and seeing the contrast uh, just put a whole new perspective. So it's the combination of my economic background and the software that I've developed for 30 years. That all That's where the term magic comes in. Right, okay. It's, uh, things, you know, what's a magician knows something that somebody else doesn't know, is mm-hmm. somebody smarter or anything like that. It just happens to learn something that he can convey and it's surprising. So there are a zillion surprising things in this book. Yeah, there really are. There really are. And that's why I was going to ask you, you know, where, what, why did you come? Why, why did you name it money magic? What is the, uh, you know, what's the reason behind the name it, uh, that explains it. I mean, just uh, knowing something maybe that other people don't know or a perspective that you've never, you know, looked at before or seen before, and, and I think it's always wise for people to do that, not always just, you know, we, we have this uh, thing in the industry, you know, called confirmation bias and this whole concept of uh, you basically just believe what you've always believed or you know, in, in not being open-minded to hearing other ways to do things. And I think that's dangerous when people are not open-minded uh, to be able to hear other things, uh, other ways to do things. And, and I think you yeah, present a lot of that in this book. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't hold back on anybody, including you know, conventional financial planners uh, yeah, who are using. I noticed. Well, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't. I wasn't trying to attack financial planners. I've got lots of very close friends who are mm-hmm. financial planners. You know, we're not using our software, and we sell our software to financial planners. Right. I don't. I don't. You know, give them a hard time. But they're. <laughs> you know, a lot of them are stuck. A little bit of a hard time, but a lot of them are stuck by their bigger company mm-hmm. that they have to use these right. conventional tools but then they the conventional tools they hate but and at least my friends they at least they tell me but um mm-hmm. they say they're stuck doing it they got the, you know they can't move all their clients it's too cumbersome right uh, maybe the new clients but not the old ones but then they just apply their common sense they say mm. this tool's screwing you know this is like a it's giving me some information but it's not really telling me what i need to know so i'm just going to use my experience mm-hmm. and many and i've, I've even had the people who are friends who run our software on the side uh you know in some sense illegally yeah. <laughs> violation of the company code in order to confirm that the software that they're getting from the company makes some sense whatsoever i mean we could go on for right. an hour about the difference in methods absolutely but, and it's and it's so true yeah exactly and like uh, a lot of people will you know, they, they, they base, you know, their, their financial planning comes down to, uh, or their advice comes from just the answers that someone gives them to a risk profile questionnaire. And and we know that there's a lot more to financial planning and advice than just uh, putting someone in an allocation that's based on the answers to a risk profile questionnaire or something like that. And, uh, and, and I know what you mean. It's like uh, we look at it and say, you know, a lot of people will just look at, you know, average annual rate of return and, and, and projecting that into the future. And we know that by experience, 
Uh, you can't yeah. just use an assumption like an average annual rate of return for something going forward in the future. And so, yeah, I should, I kind of should comment real quick on that yeah. point, which is that, and I have a, uh, a discussion of uh, investments and investment strategy and what, what economics has to say on this, but mm -hmm. the, what economics says we need to do is look at the dispersion, the spread of our living standard per, per household member. What we get the, you know, the bottom line, what we get to spend per household member, if we invest, let's say, aggressively mm -hmm. and maybe also spend, spend aggressively along the way, how much of a downside is there if we're adjusting every year to where we, where things are? What, you know, if we mm -hmm. lose 30% in the stock market, like we, we did in March, 2020, mm -hmm. uh, because of COVID, and let's say the Fed hadn't rescued the stock market, right. uh, would we have just kept on uh, spending the same amount and mm -hmm. uh, and investing the same way? And that's what that's what conventional tools imply. And then they ask, what's the probability of this whole thing working out of, right. of being rigid? And economics says that's the last thing in the world you want to be, which is rigid. You want to adjust to your current circumstances. Right. And so, well, just the methodology for thinking about investing and the and the outcomes from investing at risk or not or less risk, it's a completely different methodology that that's not taught in a CFP certified right. financial planner tool program. And we don't teach their stuff, and they don't teach our stuff. Right. To tell you the truth, if somebody at the um, Warden School yeah. uh, spent uh, had a course in conventional financial planning, uh, and just went, you know did the same thing that they do in the CFP program, and started teaching that stuff. Yep. That person would be fired the next week. Right? No, no, I understand <laughs> exactly. That's why we got to be uh, we got to be open minded and, and hear other ways to do things, especially obviously from uh, someone who studies the economy and someone who studies uh, these government programs uh, like you have for you know many many years. Um, it, it's yeah. interesting because it, when I when I look at this book, Money Magic, it does seem like uh, the really the focus of the entire book, maybe the underlying factor of the whole thing is that everything does come down to a person's living standard. And, and basically all the decisions we make should be based on your own living standard. Uh, sure. Absolutely. That's the that's the bottom line. Going back a century, you know. Economic space uh, financial planning yes. was developed in the nineteen in nineteen thirty by a guy named Irving Fisher, who's the top economist in the world. He wrote the theory of interest. He explained the relationship between real interest rates and nominal interest rates, and there's something famous Fisher equation, and how to think about saving. And I mean, he was the fundamental guy to start the life cycle model of uh, in economics, like life cycle theory, and so. Um, yeah, just uh, we, we have um, an approach that's well-grounded and, and all the finance that has followed all the, these departments of finance uh, at every top university has 30 finance economists. Uh -huh. They're all working on, on basically the same framework, life cycle consumption smoothing, and it's all about your living standard. Uh -huh. So the theory of uh, having – so Fisher was into having a smooth living standard over your lifetime. That that's what people want to because of physiology we don't want to eat all our acorns before the winter comes uh -huh. and uh and so he wanted to smooth figure out how to tell people how to help people figure out how to smooth their living standards but then subsequent economists said we have to smooth our living standard across not just across time but across bad times uh -huh. and good times and that's where insurance comes in uh -huh. and that's where where um diversification of assets comes in right. asset choice investment choice. So the entire 
all every leg or stool of um, personal finance uh, in economics is based on consumption smoothing of, of trying to maintain your living standard in good and bad times, but also take take advantage of the fact that the market is not going to the casino. It's it's right, it's a, absolutely a draw, but it's got a you know a very high positive annual return, but absolutely. it's also highly risky. Absolutely. So, well, Larry, yeah. we are definitely going to continue this uh, conversation. We have a lot more to uh, talk about. We'd, uh, there's a lot more in this book, but it was great uh, to get started. Uh, for those of you uh, listening to our podcast, our guest is Larry Kotlikoff, uh, kotlikoff.net, K-O-T-L-I-K-O-F-F.net. You can find out more information about Larry. And uh, Paul, well, this is going to be a two-parter. We're going to have to continue with Larry on our, our next episode, but uh, it was great to get started. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot there for sure. My, my pleasure. Anytime. All right. Thank you, Larry. And uh, thank you, Stephen, uh, for having great guests on, as always. Uh, look forward to next time for sure. Um, you know, and of course, our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. We wouldn't be here without you. Thank you for tuning into Simplify Retirement Podcast with Stephen Strickland. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Stephen comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device, just like the one next time with uh, when we continue this conversation with Larry. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your family and friends as well. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Wise Wealth, this is Paul Brock reminding you that financial peace comes from having a plan, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Simplify Your Retirement podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Wise Wealth LLC or Simplify Your Retirement. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of a financial advisor or other qualified financial professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.